Fire crackpots. My name is Eris, and we are going to be talking about Russia. Yeah, Russia. Russia. <sighs> Russia. Um. All right. So Russia's big. It's got climate change in it. Um. Lots of climate change in Russia. So we're gonna get all up in that today. I hope you're appreciating my modern warfare too. Um. Imagery here. Remember, no Russian. Yeah, I had that as small as possible. Um, that that was just a weird mission. Yeah, it, I, yeah. Because the point of it was to to frame America in the sh- in like a mass shooting in Russia to start a war with America. It's a little layered for a video game plot. Modern Modern Warfare Two, absolutely amazing game. Hmm. H- have yeah. you played it? I have not. You simply gotta. It, it, it's not that long. It's probably about um, uh, eight hours or so, but it, it is amazing. Good stuff. On that note, we got news. Uh, yeah. Um. Oh boy, do we have news. So, first off, um, Joe Biden says it'll be okay. So, State of the Union address. Wasn't that just... Oh, man. I forgot the State of the Union was... It was a hot mess. So For anyone who no matter, watched it live. No matter who's in power, no matter which party is, no, no matter how good the approval ratings are, it's always bad. It's always just a campaign speech. And some of the highlights, Nancy Pelosi looked like a child who was about to receive candy when Joe Biden was talking about soldiers getting cancer from burn pits. Um, Lauren Bobert and um, Majority Taylor Green started chanting, build a wall. Uh, there were some call-outs... None as good as Obama's second state of the sorry fourth state of the union address when the guy like stood up and shouted "You lie!" Oh yeah, that was probably my favorite one. It's a shame they don't let people do that anymore. It should be like the British House of Commons where people just kind of yell, <laughs> "Dodgy Dave, <laughs> Dodgy Dave!" I'm not going to take that back. It's it's that um. No one got caned like Charles Sumner did, so that was good. Um, Kamala Harris had like the worst drip in the room. Yeah, Joe Biden shaked um forty three people's hands on the way in. Oh man, um, wow. we watched it. I... We watched. We watched it the only way you should watch it, which was in a Discord chat with twelve people. <laughs> yeah, just... that was awful. I just all. Our can remember about that is like something happening and everyone just roaring up in complaints and applause and comments and there was a lot of bipartisan applause though because there were a lot of talking about the troops though if you talk about the troops or you talk about giving funds to israel then both parties everyone every, everyone will applaud and then you talk about selling weapons to saudi arabia everyone applauds yeah um russia's Vladimir Putin had the audacity to get on live television and say that he has no ill intentions in Ukraine and said there should be no more sanctions. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say for this one. It's like, I'm like, 
Russia has no ill intentions. What, they just what want were Ukraine. You expecting? Like, no, we're just on a um Russia, you don't understand. It's the rest of the world is on an independent financial endeavor, just as you're on an independent military endeavor. I It's for your own good. <laughs> who does that even serve? You're not fooling anyone. Uh yeah, it's like I, I like to think that Russia went into this expecting that there was going to be a lot of backlash and that um, the people of Ukraine were going to like really fight back and that, you know, their economy was going to fall apart. But I don't think they took much of that into consideration. Yeah. <laughs> given, given all the blunders that we've seen, I really don't think they thought this through. And it sounds like this was almost unilaterally Putin. I, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, sense i'm getting from the whole conflict that the russian people aren't really doing this as much as putin is doing it vicariously yeah it's, it's a it's a troops. dictatorship it's it's just um everyone's scared of the person who's above them and they do what they're told because they're scared of the person above them and that chain of command goes all the way up from infantry to putin who's not as scared of anyone um He's 69. He looks good for his age, honestly. Yeah. He looks like he's 59. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't have thought that he's... Some, they got something going on in Russia. First step, so the United Nations released a new climate um, paper that details our prognosis. And this one was just kind of saying that because the climate change is just so pervasive and so abstract and uncertain you need to ignore people who say it's going to hurt the economy because if there's one thing we do know inaction is going to hurt the economy a lot more than um the momentary bump by doing things yep so that wasn't that wasn't really too earth shattering um florida's don't say gay bill passed the um house of their state legislature which among other things prevents the discussion of sexuality besides heterosexuality of course um in primary school does this benefit anyone so if you're a teacher in florida and you're gay and you know at the beginning of the year you usually have like a all about me thing um you're just not allowed to because apparently you're corrupting your youth uh so much and just Uh, so you know if your biggest if your biggest concern about your child is their sexuality you have failed as a parent I don't understand why it's such an issue. I really don't. It's an issue because there's like some construct of like manliness that's violated by the whole thing that I just can't figure out. Yeah, I don't and struggle to get it. It's I, I have no idea. Like I, I, I can't figure out like, are you scared you'll like it? Is that why you hate it so much? Are you scared your kids will like it and somehow that makes you less of a parent? Like what? I, point are you trying to make and may i remind you 42 percent of lgbtq plus youth seriously considered attempting suicide in the past year so thank you florida um that's all the news i got um but today at the bike shop things took an interesting turn so hmm. i always come with stories and this was the week this was the first warm weekend in the Chirac conflict zone so that's when things really start picking up in the bike industry so guy came in older guy said um all right so i'm just gonna drop the pictures in discord right now so he said my my son is coming out of the psych ward this weekend and i want to get his bike ready for him all right sure take a look at the bike 
these are the pictures that it has on it. Sorry, these are the stickers that it has on it. Oh, jeez. You haven't even sent them yet, and I know it's probably going to be some pretty problematic photos. Um, it's not. It's not so problematic. Um, yeah. All right. That's DM to you. Oh, that's that is <laughs> um extremely lewd um anime women hentai bike Yippee. just on on the bike and you know what's sad it was a pretty nice bike it was a pretty nice bike um yeah so maybe that explains it um don't do that don't put a public billboard of yourself liking that sort of thing because um basically all four mechanics in the shop that day shit talk to you whoever you are um hopefully you're doing better don't do that <laughs> if you're coming into the normal world don't do that um, Ugh, next piece of the news, world on a bike that looks like that uh, i hope he takes those off i got a puppy nice she is very cute we picked her up today rescue dog from oklahoma she is extremely cute. Great Pyrenees and Shepherd mixed. Her name was Freckles. It is Naga now, after the uh, polar bear in The Last Airbender. Very nice. We will be enjoying that very much. But in the meanwhile, Russia. 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 So it's got Adidas tracksuits. It's also got uh, mafia members who apparently operated a base. Um, next door to my house. Huh. So, funny thing, the next my, the house next door to me was abandoned for a while, and someone moved into there. And every night, ten Lamborghinis, Ferraris, like Maseratis, McLarens would um come into the driveway, and then at about six a.m. they would leave. And then they had this insanely loud, like dangerous Rottweiler dog who was just barking all night. And then when, of course, we went over there and said, hey, you need to like walk your dog so it doesn't bark all night. It was this like Russian guy who was like, yes, yes, I take out my dog. Hmm. Um, And then there was a gunshot there and the police were called and then they moved out. Oh, that's convenient. So, yeah. So think of Crack Den, um, Safe House, who knows? Sounds like a Coke <laughs> Den more. Um, I was going to go with the Safe House because it's kind of like a, you know, a leafy suburb. Yeah. And it was, it's a nice place. Now there's like a family living there. Uh, I yeah. Hope not, I, ho I hope there's not too many like bodies in like a secret room in the basement that they eventually find. There's some weird like crawl space area that leads to an unidentified location a few miles away. The house is insulated with mob snitches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so a little bit of info about Russia. It's big, but like it's not as big as maps make it out to be yeah it's still like, the biggest country in the world but it's not like half of it's not like three times the size of america and yeah, it, 10 times the size of europe it's yeah things get stretched out when they're on that uh, rectangular map so you know it's not like three times the size of africa it's about the it's about half the size of africa so still pretty large um climate types uh where everyone lives which is laser pointer uh pretty much over here you have a nice mixture of like hot summer humid and like warm summer humid um not not very cold but then when you get over to the huge land masses you can get from subarctic arctic tundra permafrost 
permafrost will be important. Um, and then you got some ice cap on there, which is also important. So Russia's got a lot going on. And most importantly, Russia isn't communist. Um, New York Times, a bombshell headline from December 26, 1991, um, told me that um, Russia is no longer communist. So those of you who are just finding this out now, um, Russia hasn't been communist for 30 years. Hmm. That actually solves a few issues. Although it does raise a few more. Like what? Uh, well, if they're not communist, then what's this seemingly communistic government that's, you know... What is fascism for it's 69 It's better if you don't ask questions. <laughs> yes, um, here in Soviet Russia, questions ask you. Yeah. And then Boris Yeltsin um, was able to widen the lead over the Communist Party five years later. I can't believe oh, I found boy. these headlines. <laughs> I posted this one on Twitter, on our Twitter with a breaking oh. <laughs> <of> Soviet Union. <laughs> no one's followed it or liked it or retweeted it. because It's fine. Twitter, Cal Fire Crackpod. Um, all right, so I've, I've seen a fair number of people on Twitter who are like, wait, Russia isn't communist? <laughs> read, a, read a book please like or like study u.s history like for a little bit it's important <laughs> yeah really study any history man like there's only there's only three communist countries in the world vietnam china and cuba only two of which are like actually communist yeah wait i think laos is still communist though laos is is it i can't remember the last time i talked about laos and so, passing conversation so China, Cuba, Laos, and Vietnam. Um, Cuba is really only communist because America hates it. Laos and Vietnam are probably the only communist ones. China, no. Oh, I forgot about North Korea. North Korea is probably the most out of any of them. Hmm. Oh, yeah. North Korea is very... They're very classically communist in the sense that, you know... Your people are starving, but you made a bunch of new tanks. Exactly. So it's like, if you want the, the people's revolution um, to be treated as uh, how Kim Il-sung uh, got an 18 in golf on the first try, invented the burrito, and invented basketball, um, wanted, you should move to North Korea. That's such a funny headline still. <laughs> scored, an, scored an 18. Oh, scored also, an 18 in golf and never played again because he beat Kim golf. Kim Jong Un was voted best dressed man in North Korea for eight years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if someone else won eighth best dressed man. And oh my god, you're in North Korea anymore. and someone else, some just other guy wins best dressed man despite well, the North, fact that you're. Well, that's not fair because Kim Jong Un's the only one who can afford any clothes. So like, didn't he like make it against the law to dress similarly to him in North Korea? Yes, and have his hairstyle. Dude copyrighted his fit. <laughs> dude, dude. And it's not even good. Like it's it's not even like some like H and M shit that like goes out of fashion in like two weeks that he keeps updating. It's just like the same drip and he's like addicted to cheese. People thought he was dead for a few months. Yeah. They have like <laughs> no medical infrastructure, so they basically had to quarantine the entire country for the past two years. Oh my god. Um, Never so a dull this, moment. This is the current cultural perception of Russia. Um, you know. 
makes it, sense. It, it, it makes the Rust Belt look like Beijing. It's blocks. It's just blocks and blocks of concrete houses. Blocks of buildings. housing, abandoned factories, abandoned Soviet infrastructure. You know, it, it looks it like works. Detroit, except it's the whole country. But Russia's like actually a decent, like, industrial country. It, it has a very high human development index that's, um, you know, not as good as the U.S., USA number one, but it's a little better than Mexico. It's on par with uh, a lot of West, uh, Eastern Europe, and it's got some nice cities. It's got some nice infrastructure. It's it's a country. People live yeah. there. People, millions and millions of people, this is their life, and they don't support a militaristic dictator. They just happen to live in a society that has that. It's a country. So, like, that's important to mention, even as the situation in Russia heats up, um, that real people do live there. Real people live there who oppose the war. It, it, it's a country. People with all sorts of different political beliefs live there. Um, And then you have... What's important to understand about Russia, and a lot of it kind of controls its policymaking here, is that Russia suffered hard in world war ii like it's easy to kind of be like for america there were no civilian death deaths in world war ii the war never got here um you know it was just it was only combat deaths and people uh, for the most part just see world war ii in america now is something that happened far away something that happened oh that my great grandpa fought in but in russia like 25 million people died in probably the span of about six or seven years just from military deaths. Yeah, the the impact of that is still really being felt today. And it's it, it's such like a powerful moment in the history of much of Europe and especially Russia that you know, like it's it's not like oh my grandpa fought in World War Two. Um, you know, I heard some stories about that. No, it's literally every literally everyone before my dad is de- was dead, like was killed. Um, and and you know, like I'll never get to know them. I'll never get to see what happened. And everyone, like there are so much memories, so many, so much culture, so much history that was lost in those twenty five million people that it's such a permanent mark on their society and even Stalingrad where in the span of a winter, you know, 2 million people, sorry. Yeah. 2 million people died in one battle. It's yeah. It's just like the amount of people that died in world war two is almost hard to understand. Like in China, like 20 million people and you barely hear about that. It's just such a staggering amount. That's like, I don't even I can't even think of a real good comparison. That's just the size of many countries. Uh, yeah, and I guess if you want to have some perspective, the amount of people that died in Russia is probably about one out of every 12 people in America right now die. It's an insane amount. Uh, 12 or 13, but like you get the idea. It, it's just so many people and Russia was forced into such a state of fear and isolation after World War II that's what led to the cold war that's what led to what it is now even putin i'm sure his 
his dad probably might you know might have died in world war ii if maybe not his dad a lot of his family so that's something just to think about with russia and how their foreign policy acts in general is that world war ii is still very real to them yeah anyway of course that doesn't excuse any of this it's just helping you understand what they're doing and yeah so their societal perception of climate change is very much different from that of the U.S. Where the U.S. it's kind of become clear to a lot of them that something is happening. Russia is still the fourth most carbon-emitting country. Um, and what doesn't help is that they're also one of the world's biggest energy exporters. Whether it be coal, natural gas, or oil, they're doing this to a lot of their forests. But more importantly, they're not really seeing much effects. The population centers... They might be seeing nine degree temperature anomalies at most, while much of the country is, you know, pushing 11 or 12. And that's a big deal because if the population centers are insulated from natural disasters and the effects of climate change, people aren't really going to care, um, especially going with people in general. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big deal. Like in America, people are seeing the freaking sky turn orange people are having their houses like wiped out by hurricanes every two years people are having uh giant snowstorms like destroy everything like it's it's much more real here in america and a lot of other places in europe and a fact that a lot of the places like moscow or st petersburg aren't seeing that is kind of adding to their suspicion of it yeah, it creates this danger of not just skepticism, but the fact that these things are still happening just in places that are less easily observed and less more how to describe it, less immediately noticed. So a lot yeah. of places that are having the highest anomalies are in the middle of nowhere and don't really have much of an impact on most of the people in Russia. But those areas are still made of a lot of permafrost and things that really ought to not be subject to these giant temperature anomalies. Absolutely. And it's just it's just getting into the fact of in order for you to recognize something as a problem, it needs to be real to you. Um, I mean, with Ukraine right now, there's a lot of people in America who are like, well, if this doesn't matter to me. It's not going to affect me. One, in the more immediate sense. Um, Russian energy supplies, whether it be natural gas, whether it be food they produce, will affect you in a very real way. And two, imperialism doesn't really end with one country. And three, it's just... I love that... I just realized this map has Crimea on it. Oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> All right. Okay, okay, you tanky who made this map. I understand you. Yeah, fair enough. Seeing all the, like, extraordinarily terrible takes on, like, the internet over the last couple weeks has, like, made me feel better about myself in a way. Yeah, there has been some pretty garbage takes in the way of oh, Russia yeah. and, you know, acquisition of foreign land. The, lo the local tankies feel about this. If you want some brain damage, go on to Gen Zedong. <sighs> I'm not going to do that. That, that'll give you some actual brain damage there and, and it's like it, it's like terrible memes too so it'll be like me when the west does something you know yeah <laughs> or r or r slash sino that's a good one and, and any of those any of those tanky um subreddits like 
Ugh. Oh, I just hate to see it. And it's like, I have a lot of faith in this generation, both because, you know, activism and because of our access to the internet to not only learn, but to advocate. Uh, that that kind of demeans it a little bit. <laughs> it does. It demeans it to say, um, how do I describe it? Like, these aren't really opinions of real people. They're just opinions that are being exaggerated by only talking mm. to other insane individuals on the internet yeah again it's it's what we were talking about last week it's that feedback loop of insane being insane and not being able to be told off by those close to you uh, you know it's you can be insane like if you have an absolute garbage take and you don't have access to the internet and you just have the people in your life like normal people in your life who to tell you no you're stupid you'll stop having that take whereas now you can find hundreds of people who have even worse takes than you who will elevate you yeah it's it's a weird world it's it's such a pandora's box in terms of like good and bad things when it comes to like access to the internet for activism and will it change i i think it's always going to be this way i think that the good people are going to be better and the bad people are going to be worse because of it it's just an amplifier yeah, it's yeah, it's very much a double-edged sword. There we go. Um, all right, moving on. Government action. So, um, lackluster <laughs> puts yeah. it best. So, this is from. Where is this from? This was from. Oh, totally forgot. I made these like two days ago. It. It's from, like, climate action something. Um, so this is showing that the country's either what they say they're going to do versus what they're actually doing um, and versus how that'll correspond to different warming trends. So just for some control, the U.S. rating is insufficient. So that's right here. So there's almost insufficient and then going to the 1.5 degree. So the U.S. Uh, in the next... 10 or so years is going to the planned policies versus policies and action already in motion are very much similar. Um, so that has it going down to, to about two degrees Celsius of warming. Whereas Russia, it's fair share emissions has it in critically insufficient for both its policies and what it's actually going to end up at. Um, which is going to four degrees Celsius warming if the entire world was doing what it's doing. So it's bad. They don't have much of a plan because there's such a conflict of interest. They have so much to gain from all of their natural gas and um, oil and coal that they have within their borders that it's to their benefit to not care. And with everything that's going on with Russia right now and how unstable they are as an energy supplier, a lot of Europe is fast-tracking, and in the U.S., is just fast-tracking renewable energy projects right now because the future of Russian natural gas is in jeopardy. And I think that's the most metal way for it to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough to tell other people, especially in um, you know developing nations, Russia is still more or less like a second-world country, and say hey you shouldn't be using the resources that you've been given you shouldn't be uh you know pumping out natural gas and digging up coal and 
uh, doing all of that, despite the fact it will make you a lot of profit because yeah, it would it, it, be negative to everyone else. And you can't, you can't stop the supplier. You have to stop the buyers. Yeah. They're not going to stop just because someone else somewhere else says they should or that they ought to. It's so much more important for them in their eyes to have the money. And short term, I think that's um, exactly what all of these sort of situations end up like. But and, and um, kind of a little go ahead. Yeah. Like you said, you can't stop the supplier. You have to stop the buyer. They're going to keep on doing this until no one wants it. Yeah, like a little bit of an analogy. Like I'm thinking of like fentanyl, something that's unequivocally dangerous and that everyone should be off of. Like it's not something like weed where, you know, oh, I support people using it responsibly. No, like fentanyl. No, you shouldn't be on it at all. <laughs> um, that's like you can tell people to stop uh, producing fentanyl or selling it. But no, there's demand for it. People want it. I can make a lot of money off it versus let's get the people who are on fentanyl off of it. And then there's no market. People don't people don't want it. People aren't buying it. Then why would ever why would anyone sell it anymore? So with EU countries and especially America, realizing that, okay, I need to depend on an extremely unpredictable and militaristic autocracy for my energy supplies. And energy is such a trump card. Like that's if you're if you get on Russia's bad side, uh, Eastern Europe freezes to death. Yeah. So being able to say, no, I don't want I don't want like I don't want to support you on that. And even if Russia cuts you off, it's fine because you have, you know, electric heaters in everyone's houses. You have electric stoves and plenty of wind infrastructure to keep that up and running during the winter. Like it's not you don't have to worry about what a country is doing. And that's that's one of the arguments we were talking about with conservatives and climate change. It's do you want to be reliant on the Middle East for our en oil and energy? No, like buy an electric car then. So like it just makes a lot more sense. <sighs> yeah. So why does why should Russia care so much about climate change? It's got permafrost. Yeah. You seem like a, you seem like the type of fellow to want to talk about permafrost. Um. I can talk about it a little bit. So the thing about permafrost is it's where most of the Earth's freshwater lies, which is kind of an issue since even though, um, even though, what is it, about 3% of the Earth is freshwater, about 70% of that 3% is locked away in permafrost. And it's more or less inaccessible, although if it melts, it's not going to be necessarily straight into, you know, usable drinking water. It's going to be into the most likely Mud. the nearby body of salt water. And on top of that, it's you can even see the images. If the permafrost goes away, everything kind of goes to shit. <laughs> Anything It's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's kind of just a substrate to everything else. It's not like how people envision it, which is just giant blocks of ice in the middle of nowhere. But what is like permafrost? Like permafrost is just it's more or less ice that exists in a place or at such a depth that it uh never would under any normal circumstance melt other than, you know, natural 
fluctuations of temperature over a few hundreds of thousands of years. So when it melts, we know there's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, and then this active layer right here is what might change in the summer. Like it might get a bit above freezing, but when you go a few feet below the soil, the temperature is going to be staying constant, and it's assumed that in permafrost, it's going to be below freezing those few feet down, so you have a bunch of ice there. But over thousands and millions of years, all of this plant organic life on top, dying, decomposing in the soil, plant bacteria releasing methane, being trapped under the ice or in the ice, when that ice melts, you get methane releases. So Yay. methane's a huge problem because it's 84 times more potent than carbon dioxide. And then after about nine years, it'll just degrade into 84, like just carbon dioxide. And carbon dioxide stays in the atmosphere for hundreds to thousands of years. So what happens is as the permafrost melts, it releases all the methane under or in it. And then you can have lakes boiling with methane. And then because the, there's the regional effect of as methane goes up, it might only stay in that one area. And then you could have a localized greenhouse effect, making it even hotter, melting more ice, releasing more methane, making it even hotter. So it's that cyclical climate change. It's just climate change making climate change worse. Yeah. That's and the then, tipping point that a lot of people talk about where, you know, you reach a certain uh, extent of climate change damage where permafrost starts releasing trapped gases, which starts melting permafrost, which starts releasing trapped gases, and so on. Yeah, and it's that point where once you get past that point, there's not a whole lot you can do besides ride the wave. Um, it's just stopping what you can elsewhere. Um, and then, of course, you know, stop climate change. And one of the other issues about permafrost is there's a lot of stuff in there. Over the millions of years, fun things gotten in there like smallpox or bacteria that humans haven't, humans may have never seen or have never seen for a very long time and have no immunity to it, or mercury or nuclear waste or ancient DNA, things that if they get out into the world, we don't really quite know what's going to happen. It could be a devastating virus that absolutely no one is immune to at all. Um, we don't know. It's 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 the find out phase. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it's just a lot of dangerous things in permafrost that we would rather have underneath the ice. So but what Russia at this point would rather do is this. They would rather airstrike hospitals, they would rather bomb civilians, they would rather shoot at kindergartens and kill people than do anything about what's happening in their backyard and getting to the main point of this episode petty war destroys everything it doesn't matter if it's people's lives it doesn't matter if it's people's homes or jobs it doesn't matter if it's permafrost Pet petty war is destroys everything it it just everything that's yeah it, 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 it no one's left untouched by any war anywhere whether it be the direct effects or something like this. Um, just war in general, any foreign policy issue distracts from climate change. Um, and, you know, in some cases, rightly so. You know, it's an obvious humanitarian issue and humanitarian issues will trump climate change any day. Um, this is kind of a sad reality of the world. It's 
things will just keep happening and the long-term challenges that have lasting effects going for centuries are trumped by the effects of the things that'll happen right now. Yeah. So that's my uh, hot take there. Not so hot, but we have had a a lot of talk about stupid engineering on this podcast, but how about we talk about some good engineering? So next week we're going to get into some engineering that, you know, actually solves climate change engineering. That's actually cool and useful and it'll be fun. It'll be better than this little bit of a downer of an episode, but it'll be better than talking about, you know, moving the moon to stop climate change somehow yes this this is more like you know bus infrastructure and urbanization so more fun stuff yeah all right um any shout outs before we go uh let's see oh world's first um what is it race for world's first for the new destiny raid started yesterday at noon cst (laughs) And it, it has wasn't been awful. New. It has been awful, awful, awful. It's incredibly difficult. But uh, folks at Bungie decided to extend it 24 hours due to some reports of people no crashing. Do it? Yeah, I'm still able to do it until noon tomorrow. So I'll be throwing it. I'll be thrown back into it maybe later tonight. Wait, so you guys didn't get it last night? No. You guys were on there for hours. What do you mean? Uh, basically. There's this thing called contest modifier, which basically means that everything you'll be fighting is going to be much like more powerful than you, no matter what your power level is. And that makes it really difficult on top of the fact that most people don't know the mechanics to any of it. It seemed really stupid when you guys were talking about there. It just seemed like the encounters were unnecessarily hard. Oh, no, like they're not. It's just that when contest modifier is on, they become incredibly difficult. Okay, I wasn't watching your stream. I was just hearing you guys get mad. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't have the patience for Destiny. I have the I have the yeah, I hardly have it. things, but it's it, it's not Destiny. Um, shout out to three weeks until spring break. You cannot oh get God, here fast enough. God. But they're 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 no they're they're not like four day weeks. They are full five day, probably a lot of tests. Well, no, definitely a lot a lot of tests. We gotta up, get babe. there. An, wake up, babe! It's an A push test week. Uh, oh yeah, we got a DBQ too. You should do your A push period seven progress check now. now. I actually got that email from my A push teacher. It said it was sent at like ten o'clock, and it said. Do your ape do do your period six progress check now. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but uh naturally that spawned a lot of good memes. Um oh man. I got Fizz C test, which has been like coming for the past three weeks. Um we usually have a test every week there, and we haven't had one for two weeks, so everyone knows this one's gonna suck. And then Calc BC test, that's gonna suck too. Yeah, I oh don't boy. know if Just I have any tests, but lucky bastard. I that means I will have a lot next week. Well, no, you have a push. We all have a push. Oh yeah. Um, that, and this officially christened in the first busy week at uh, the beginning of the busy season for being a bike mechanic. It's the first warm weekend in March, which in this case happened to be the first one. Um. 
and it has been our service backlog went from two days to two weeks in one day yeah <laughs> that's not really them. unheard of though my favorite is when it went from two days to six weeks in two days Oof. that was rough it was just checking in bikes all day <laughs> yeah that sounds awful oh yeah last summer was a trip the summer should be a little better because you know it's not gonna it's not a covid summer Oh, yeah. Um, there won't be so many people that say, oh, hey, I've got insane amounts of free time because I just got laid off from my job. Yeah, my my shout out goes to that kid who um whose bike I serviced today with those reprehensible stickers on it. Um, Please take them off. Yeah, <laughs> Um, I well, of course, of course, I, di I didn't take them off because, you know, like we're not allowed to take a sticker off unless the customer tells us we can. Um. They're still on there, and they're clean now. <laughs> uh, my favorite was the tubeless job I had to do on it. So this kid built his own wheels badly. He used extremely thin-gauge spokes, which shouldn't have been used. So a bunch of spokes were broken. All right, no problem. I'll replace the spokes. I don't need to undo the – I don't need to take off the tire to do it because the spoke nipples were still in there. All right, just fine. All right, I will get the new spokes in there. Oh no, the spokes are the wrong the spoke nipples are like a weird thread pitch and we don't have any spokes that match it. I need to put new spoke nipples in there. Oh no, I need to undo the entire tubeless setup to get the um spoke nipples in there. Oh no, I just redid the entire tubeless setup after putting in all of the new spoke nipples and the tire is worn. Oh no, I need to get a new tire in there. Oh no, I need to redo the entire tubeless setup again. Oh no, I need to take off the disc rotor and cassette. So it took me two hours to replace a few spokes. <laughs> Sometimes it really is just better to toss everything and start from scratch. Um, yeah, sometimes it definitely is. Um, we have this trump card in the bike shop that is literally just, this bike is just so bad beyond comprehension that we will not service it. Oh, really? When was the last time We're that happened? Um, it was last summer. It was just like, this thing is completely terrible it is not safe at all to ride do not ride this it is completely unserviceable we will not service it like it's just something that it's such a money pit no matter how much money you put into new parts it's still gonna suck so it's it's just not worth it yeah and i i don't i don't like to say that like i'm i'm the probably the last person you would expect to say that so there just gets to a point where it's so bad and so unsafe where it's just like there's nothing we can do <laughs> my favorite was when someone came in with the uh down tube broken it was just cracked in half Ugh. i was just like no like we, we will not service it because i'm gonna test ride this and die <laughs> that that's just what if the down tube is broken you have to replace the frame which means you have to move everything off the bike onto a new frame uh, unless it's an unless it's a nice bike it's not worth doing that <laughs> Unless like you've already poured multiple thousands of dollars into everything else, and it's like your racing bike. Yeah. The rule of thumb is that the frame set is usually about half the worth of the bike. So at that point, it's just like, eh. Yeah. Um, alright. Anything else? Um, no, I think that's about it for me. Uh, it's gonna be it for me. Alright, stay safe, everyone. The point of contention is how they act. Where you draw the line will set you free. The debate is over.